This podcast contains swearing and blaspheming. And it's not appropriate for younger listeners. The next podcast on Christmas Day should be okay for younger members of the family. But this one should be switched off immediately. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton, I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this, that's the plan. Hey, how you doing, friends? Adam Buxton here. It is a spectacularly beautiful morning out here in East Angular. I'm uh, walking rosy. And I can't, I can't believe it's Christmas week. Oh, my. Christmas week 2015. This podcast and the next will feature contributions from my old friend and uh, TV and radio partner, Joe Cornish. And he was with me over the weekend uh, recording some stuff. But we also recorded a... Uh, a chat a a few weeks ago two or three weeks ago or something and that's what you're going to hear today so it's a sort of a warm-up chat different in tone to the one that you will hear on Christmas Day that's that's when I'm planning to deliver the uh, the next podcast the Christmas podcast today's one is more of a a silly um, ramble about just nothing really <laughs> and um, also some cultural highlights from the year mainly film and tv recommendations from jay corn and but i can't remember one or two from me i'm not sure anyway it's been a real treat for me seeing more of joe than i normally would these last few weeks and it's been a great help as well because as some of you may know my dad died um at the end of November, uh, Bad Dad, he was. If you used to watch the show that we did, me and Joe, back in the day on Channel 4, he was, uh, we kind of cast him as our youth correspondent. Well, it was Louis, in fact, Louis Theroux, who suggested to us that it would be funny if we got my dad to review hip-hop records, was the original idea, and then it evolved into him... um, reviewing all kinds of uh hang on i'm just going to open the gate that's real sounds there that's not that's not from the sound effect library that is actual country anyway yes my dad um so yeah we we kind of got him to review pop songs and and then we sent him out into the field as it were taking him with us to festivals v97 and tribal gathering and we went out to la with him and he met and hung out with coolio and his rapping gang and we had a wonderful time doing that show with him and it was great for me 
to be able to add an extra dimension to my relationship with him as his son because he was a I mean the whole joke on the Adam and Joe show was that he was a, a guy who was from an entirely different world and so there was an element of for me anyway trying to show him the value in some of these things that I enjoyed and that was an element of it but also it was just kind of a way to be silly which he did a great job of he was always a wonderful sport uh, a lot of you have sent me very kind messages on twitter and uh, other social media and i really appreciate those it's been a, a surprising outpouring of real warmth and affection from people and uh it's been very heartening and emotional. I'm sad now, <laughs> talking about it. Um, but it wasn't unexpected. You know, he was 91 years old when he died. And it's not one of those bereavements that is tragic in a way. I mean, I guess you could say the end of someone's life is always kind of tragic for them and for the people they leave behind. But... But it's not like, you know, someone dying very young or getting ill very young. That, that's something truly tragic. Um, we had a year or so to adjust to the fact that he wasn't going to be with us much longer. He was diagnosed with cancer towards the end of 2014 and given a fairly bleak prognosis, which um, he proved wrong, I'm glad to say. He lived quite a lot longer than the doctors said he would. But he was very keen not to go into hospital. Uh, and there wasn't really, in his case, much point in getting treatment. So he came and he lived with us out here in Norfolk. As you can imagine, it was quite difficult in lots of ways. I'm sure many of you have cared for people who are ill or dying. And uh, boy, it's different and harder than you think it'll be isn't it um in some ways and easier in other ways oh it's windy man i don't know if you can hear that i'm walking right into the right into the gale all right gale anyway yes sorry i was going off the rather serious subject of caring for people and uh, I'm lucky in lots of ways, you know, and I've got the support network. My wife, mainly, provided me with invaluable emotional and practical support and made it possible for me to continue with my professional engagements, etc. And, of course, the rest of my family, Uncle Dave and my ma and my sister, helped and... Uh, and boy, the NHS helped. Good Lord. I mean, we, we've got it good in this country, I really do think. I know it's a difficult political area in a lot of ways, but man, I would have been totally stuffed. It wouldn't have been possible, really, if it wasn't for the NHS and for the nurses and doctors that uh, came and helped us out. And really, I mean... It was very, from that point of view, incredibly smooth and everything worked. And God, those people are incredible. I mean, it sounds, it's a cliche, isn't it? 
but they they really are and and uh, I often had to resist the temptation just to give them a hug and <laughs> not let go <clears throat> sorry it's it's uh later on uh I just paused the recording device there because I was momentarily overwhelmed with emotion you know it's just the intro of the podcast you've got to keep it together for the intro mate i'm sure i'll talk about my dad more in future podcast episodes um as a form of public therapy <laughs> that's what comedians do though isn't it where would edinburgh be without dead parents the edinburgh fringe would totally crumble and uh, I've got the double whammy of the midlife crisis and the dead parent. I'm being glib. Um, okay. Now, let's, uh, you know, let's not focus too much on the dark side. Um, speaking of which, I know I haven't seen The Force Awakens. Um, we don't talk too much about that on this um, chat, me and Joe. We touch on it, but it's sometimes it's difficult getting stuff out of Joe Cornball's Cornish because he's a, he's a very professional man, and now that he's in this exciting movie industry, he doesn't want to jeopardize his position within it by being silly and gossipy, which is great for him and his professional standing. It's not so good for Buckles with his podcast, trying to wheedle out entertaining gossipy anecdotes. At one point in this conversation, my efforts to um, gain access to a, a tasty Tom Cruise anecdotal morsel are spectacularly frustrated by cornballs, as you will hear. And then he, uh, he does a little reprise towards the end on a Star Wars theme as well. I'll be back at the end of the podcast to say goodbye and also to uh, defend myself against criticism I received from episode number 10 with Louis Theroux, the last podcast, in which I spoke about um, people putting on makeup in public and used as an example a woman on a train who did so uh, a while back uh, when I was sitting opposite her. And people got, uh, well, a few people got uh, quite upset. So I will attempt to clarify my position at the end of the podcast. But right now, Joe Cornish. Here we go. This is like uh, Frost Nixon. It is like Frost. This is Frost Nixon. Nixon. There's been such a tense build-up. Frost Nixon. What kind of a film is that? Well, you know exactly what kind of a film you that is. You could make that film just by digitally adjusting the original footage. Yeah. A couple of forearms. 
<laughs> a couple of CGI forearms. Why has no one done Frot Nixon? Why has no one done Frot Nixon? Or Frot on Sunday. The, the Frot Report. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've just been spending a couple of hours um, trying to get my microphones to work. I'm in London. You're not talking to me now, are you? No, I'm talking to the, the podcast. Yeah, I've got to get used to this. You do, yeah. You're out of the loop. It's strange. And uh, we're sat here. It's a Saturday night. Um, why aren't you out? I'm I'm with Joe Cornish. Hello. How are you doing, man? Good, thanks. Why aren't you out partying? Me? You're talking to me now. I'm talking to you now. Because we had an arrangement to meet and record for your fantastic new podcast. Yeah. So I cancelled all my incredible, sexy. What were you going to be doing? Orgies. All my. I cancelled all the orgies. All the film orgies. Yeah. They all happen in an expensive hotel up near Regent's Park yeah. with Peely wallpaper. The same place they Who's filmed Peely the- wallpaper? <laughs> Peely wallpaper, he runs them. <laughs> yeah, Peely, it's, um, you don't know me. I'm in a low-budget film. I'd really love to come to one of the orgies. Please, please, please. <laughs> no, Rebecca, who put this person through? So, sorry, Peely. You've got to get in with Peely wallpaper. Yeah. You used to go out with a girl called Siri. Is that right? Did I? Yeah, you did, didn't you? Siri Neal. No, she never went out with her. Did you not? She was in my film, a short film I made. I thought she was had... going out with uh, the uh, the actor Brian Brian Cox. Brian Cox. At the time, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think you said you rolled around in a field with her. Maybe I'm confusing I that have with rolled else. around in a field with a lady. Yeah. yeah. Her name wasn't Siri, though. Oh, okay, I'm getting it confused. You're getting me. it confused. I apologise. That's all right. All right, so you knew a girl called Siri. She was in your first short film, right? Sec- my second, Jesus my second Christ, short film. I yeah. can't Come get on. any of these Come facts on. right. Well, no one has or ever will see these short films. So it's Are they not a- online? Of course not, no. Why don't you put them online? Because uh, it's like um, I-, I never want anyone ever to see them. They're good. Uh, I don't know about Upstaged. That. Yeah. There's a little clip in our, on our Adam and Joe DVD. There you go, yeah. That's They're right. very, very early work. Juvenilia. I know, but, you know, it's interesting for people to see how the genius yeah. is started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of them's upstaged. I don't know. They're quite involved yeah. and serious. Of course, that's I what you're discovered to the do. power of comedy <laughs> at that stage. Quite overwrought. I made one of them when I was. They're certainly wrought. Ninety, eighteen, or nineteen, and mm-hmm. the other went when I was about twenty-one. Uh, and the first one had Ronnie Lacey in it, which was very exciting, mm. right? Who played uh, Belosh in Raiders of the Lost Ark. The fellow that gets his hand, with it, that he gets the medallion yeah. burnt he into his hand. He was a pretty famous actor yeah. in Britain in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. Maybe not in the 50s. Yeah, I think the 50s. He was in Porridge, regular yeah. in Porridge. Uh, but yeah. And then the second, in fact, the second one, Jeopardy. Yes. Had, um, oh uh, my God. And that's God. the one with Siri Neal in it, right? That's the one with Siri Neal and also uh, Paul Freeman, who played Paul Tot Freeman, in yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. You got through all the So, in cast. fact, I've worked with Belosh and Tot and Spiels. And you've met Harrison I've Ford. I've met Harrison. We'll get onto that later. Karen Allen. I need Karen Allen to complete we the set. We all need Karen Allen to complete the set. Beautiful Karen Allen. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. She's still acting, right? Sure. I Crystal think. Skull. Of course she was. Of course. In the crystal. Who could forget the crystal skull? Not me. So when you were directing Siri Neal, were you always asking her what the weather was like? Oh, God. Um, Are you on board with this joke yet? Well, no, I'm just trying to get on board. Did you... And did she say... From oh, now I see. On, oh, no, now I'm on board. Okay. I, I thought the bus was ahead of me, but it turns out it's not here yet. <laughs> 
turns out. I thought I'd missed the bus, but actually it's really late. It turns, and it doesn't work. It's actually been sitting halfway up the road behind me for half an hour. Because of mechanical... The bus driver's smoking a mechanical failure. <laughs> Sorry, I'm actually just going to have to walk quite a way back yeah. in the wrong direction to get on the bus. <laughs> it's almost counterproductive to take the bus. I might be able to walk the rest of the way faster. At a certain point, did she say, from now on, when you want to know what the weather's like, can you start by saying, hey, Siri? Does Siri say that? Yeah. Man, I've just... Uh, look, I, look, Siri's come on because I said, hey, Siri. It's terrifying. I hey. dropped my uh, iPhone 6 in the toilet. Why'd you do that? Never done it before, because they're too slippery. I don't have a case. They're too slippery. Went in, the, went in the toilet. And now it's broken. Oh, mate. And it cost £500. I've put it in a bag of rice. Did you? That's what you're supposed you to do. You looked that up online because yeah. the rice absorbs the moisture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they've got little things inside. That's my new laugh, by the way. <laughs> I love it. Apparently, uh, you can't diddle apple because they've got little <laughs> sensors inside them that detect if they've been dunked in water. Mm-hmm. Little dots that go red so that people can't lie to them about it breaking by dropping it or something, you know? Right, right. Because uh, an immersion in water is specifically void, warranty-wise. Oh, uh, Voids really? the warranty, You're yeah. Not covered. So they've actually built in detectors Buggeration. so that they can suss you. So uh, I should say to the podcasts, to the listeners, who maybe aren't Apple product users, that that was a long, tortured riff about... Um, the voice-activated uh, helper you get on app, some Apple products, which is called Siri. And um, it now responds, like my phone is currently off, like the screen is off, right? Mm. But if I say, hey, Siri, who is Joe Cornish? What would you like to know about Joe Cornish? Which films has Joe Cornish directed? I found Attack the Block from 2011. What is the Rotten Tomato rating for Attack the Block? Rotten Tomatoes gives Attack the Block a ninety percent rating. That's good. It like it's a sort of it sort of searches the internet and reads things off of it. <laughs> yeah, but it can tell you what the weather is. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Do you use it a lot? Of course not. Listen earlier. Yeah. We mentioned um, Tom Cruise. Yes. Did we? You did. I did before you we said. Were... Is it okay if I ask you about Tom Cruise? Yeah. And I said I only met him once. Yeah, but listen, last time we were on air, right, yeah. was 2011. Yeah. On Six Music. Yes. Since then, actually, no, at that point you had already worked with Steven Spielberg and, and you'd met Tom Cruise, right? Yes. Uh, I on, think so. Prob- yeah. Yeah. Uh, on, um, what's it called? Tintin. Yeah. And I never really asked you about those things in those days because no. I was too jealous. Right. I probably didn't want you to either. Probably you didn't, right? Yeah. Why not? Uh, wow, this, that was searing. Yeah. You tilted your head like an interviewer. Yeah. Like Bec- f- because, uh, what, well, on the radio? Y- y- yeah. Just because it was like work. Right. And you didn't want to say the wrong thing and upset someone. No, not that at all. It just didn't feel uh, like I wanted to talk about it. You know, I was, I was for- foraging away. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's good to forage in private, isn't it? Sometimes. <laughs> Obviously not Not, not for anymore. buckles. Not for buckles, not for the new Frost Nixon buckles exactly. podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Things have changed. There's a different dynamic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. You're on the spot. I really am on Cornish. the spot. It's, wow. I want to know. I mean, I don't know how much. Now. You're going to edit. Tom Cruise <laughs> smells like. 
he he came into a meeting with and uh, uh, with me and Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost very early in the Tintin process when they were testing, working out a lot of the motion capture stuff, and he burst into the room. Uh, and he obviously knew Simon, and I think he obviously knew everybody else in the room apart from me. And uh, it was as if Tom Cruise had burst into the room. <laughs> it was, it was Tom, Tom Cruise's, you know, you get that slight metaphysical thing where you expect some sort of uh, mediatory thing to be between you and that face, you know? Mm-hmm. It's usually mediated by some sort of delivery system, not right. just air. Yeah. And uh, but that's the case with anybody who's famous, right? Yes, uh, I know. I, st- yes. I still get slightly. I can't really talk to Jonathan Ross properly. I know what you mean. Uh, without going, <laughs> you are Jonathan Ross. I saw him the other day at a party. I've known him for years, and I just, I just sort of went a bit um, dry because, because it's because it's a strange thing seeing a face in the flesh. Yeah, that's that true. Isn't you're it? so used to seeing in two dimensions. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, the cruiser came, he cruised into the room, and he was just, just like everybody says, he, he, he introduced himself immediately to me. He, do, he, he does the eye contact thing and the firm handshake. Well, even before that, the interesting thing was he figured out I was the one person in the room he didn't know. Mm-hmm. So he went straight to me and said, hey, I'm Tom. With, yeah, with eye contact and complete proximity. Mm-hmm. As per his Scientology training. I've no idea. He may be just a very nice chap. Listen, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm not trying to get anything out of you. I think most yeah. people are aware that no, he's I genuinely have. I genuinely have have no I think, idea. I believe the two that's part of the right. One of the things is, right. that, is that they, uh, you, you do the double handshake. You take right. someone's hand firmly. You look right into their yes. eye and you make a connection with them that way and make yes. them feel like you're the most important thing in their universe yes. at that point. It's probably not exclusive to Scientology. No, I'm sure no. there are lots of that's basic. Uh, that's lots, basic. Yeah, basic good politeness. It right. came, to me, it just came across in the room at that moment. But it's more as, than politeness, though. It's a power play, isn't it? Well, it depends what your attitude to it was. I wouldn't make that judgment simply by a person walking in the room and doing it. <laughs> Listen, I can already tell that you're worried uh, that Tom. No, I would Cruz say this. I would say this about any individual is listening to the podcast. In. Well, he probably is. What isn't he? does he smell like? Um, he, you know, I don't remember any smell. The one celebrity smell I really remember, I really remember, mm. is Robbie Williams, who smelt of the most incredible uh, aftershave. I think we've talked about this before that was smelt like incense. Lovely smell. Yeah, like, wow, that's probably made from crushed baby tears. And, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It was probably just... The toenails sandalwood. of blue people from Avatar. Yeah. Um, but no, no particular aroma from Mr. Cruz. And did he... What was your interaction? <laughs> Tell me all. There was another conversation going on, to be honest, mm-hmm. about the script. Uh, and yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Come on, mate. You're trying That's to get not going to cut any ice on You're trying to get parking. a particular story out of me, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, the doodle story. I can't believe you're trying to get the doodle story out of Are me. Are you not happy relating the doodle story? It's you want just, to... a, it's just a, go- a very good story. I'm going to sound like, what was it? Didn't Louis say this when he came on your podcast? Like, no, Louis said this on Richard Herring's podcast when Richard Herring started really bullying him. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, look, I just don't feel this is the right forum to be spending those magical chips in. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got a really killer story. Like, well, this is a little killer story. Why would I piss it away on a podcast? And like, if you sit down in an interview and the person just... Now you've built it up. Drills into you. 
Now you've built it well, up you know, way it's called the doodle too story. High. Do you know what? I think it's more powerful yeah. if I never tell it. Oh, Jesus. It's actually not a particularly incendiary or provocative. It's quite a sweet little story. Which is why I thought it well, would be appropriate to ask t- about it. Because now I'm not going to tell it. It's Christmas Day. Well, you've got to let you've got to get used to not having everything you want at Christmas. <laughs> Genuinely, really Gen- good parents yeah. leave one present, and Christmas. the children aren't allowed to it unwrap is it. Christmas Did you know Day, that? Did you know that, Santa? And there's the pe- the kids look at the presents, Santa and Cornish. mom and dad say, "There is one present there that you have to decide not to open. What? Which will it be?" And the kid chooses, and, and you just those don't get kids, it. Ninety-eight percent of those kids go on to become billionaires. Are you making that up? Yes, yes. I made the whole thing up. So it's Sam- probably true. <laughs> there's that experiment where kids they put sweets in front of kids, yeah. and no, they put one sweet in front of a kid, right. and they say, "I'm going to leave the room." If you eat that sweet while I'm out of the room... You'll get two... Uh, no, you won't if get you any sweets. If you don't eat it, you'll get two sweets. Yeah, yeah. and they and can't the, resist And it. the kids who can resist it usually turn out to be really clever. The ones that can't resist the sweet... Get a podcast. Usually get some sort of homemade podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but what they don't get on But it does get to number one in the charts. Is the fucking doodle story. They don't story. get the doodle story. Well, it's only because of the way you approach the doodle story. Well, how was I supposed to approach no, it? No, it's true. It's true, isn't it? Let me see if I can squeeze another... You just need a cruise story, a Tom Cruise story. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? I just want to know what it's like um, meeting these people. <laughs> it's not going to happen, is it? No. Jeez. It's going to remain a complete mystery. What about the full sex with Steven Spielberg story? <laughs> oh, my God. Last December, I went outside and who'd I see but Santa Sitting on a ride with things for me He had presents in his arms and his sleigh was loaded With amazing gifts, I thought, yes! Santa, give me the presents right now, please Little fucking elves dancing round and round Don't give me the stuff I don't want I want that stuff Now Santa give the fucking stuff to me Santa said you missed the point of the holiday It's not about stuff, it's about thoughts and giving and love and all that I said fuck off back to Iceland you twat uh, So I had a bit earlier in the year when I, I cracked my iPhone because I was doing some painting and I had it in the top pocket of my dungarees, mm. uh, my painting dungarees, right? Mm. And every time I uh, um, bent down to uh, charge the brush, the, sure. the paint it brush, it slipped out. It slipped out. Yes. It happened, um, like, first time it happened, I was like, oh, damn it. Picked it up. It was fine. The phone was fine. And then I did it again. And again, the phone was fine. And then I did it again. This isn't the same, like, half hour. Yeah. Hour. Exactly. And that time, the phone was fine. And then I did it literally, uh, in total, seven times. Seven times. And on the seventh time, <laughs> the, the screen cracked. I'm now picturing one of the wild buckles in a, uh, like... <laughs> Are uh, these the buckles from Jurassic... Buckle? Yeah, 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 from Jurassic Buckles World. And you're in a sort of lab with a two-way mirror. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and there's a plug and your phone in the pocket and you're going <laughs> and the signs are going five times surely not again six times six times professor he's yes, up to six, six times he, he's seven times guys oh you may want to get in here he's done it six times no one's ever done it and six then do you know what happens before. one of them comes in with a shotgun and kills buckles just puts for, that one down for being too stupid yeah, that's um, that's a lot of times. What were your thought processes each of the times? 
It was like, oh, I should be more careful. That was at the first time? Oh, got to be careful. No, the first time it was like, oh, I got away with it. It was, oops, that was exciting. It was like, oh, I'm so glad it didn't crack. Pop it in the pocket. Second time. It's happened twice. (laughs) And and shall I tell you the reason that I didn't just take it out and lay it aside? was because I was listening to Mm -hmm. a podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had it on the little speakers there because mm-hmm. I didn't want to wear headphones because yes. the headphones were going to dangle. And there was get... no surface nearby just to lay it on. No, because like I wouldn't. Floor. I wouldn't have been able to hear it properly. I was outside. Didn't want to get it splattered with paint. Yeah. So you pop it in the second time, and then <laughs> um, then it falls me. out. It falls and out. It, this happened six times. And then six it, on times. the seventh, it shatters the screen. Right. And so I'm like, ah, damn it. I do a bit live where I say, oh, I cracked the screen on my phone the other day and my son saw it and he was absolutely mortified, right? And this is true. And, and my son Frank... He uses was, it a lot. Uh, well, no, he just covets them. Oh. You know, children these days, mm. they just are obsessed. It's all about the tablet. Right. Well, some are. Um, and he is one of them. And he was saying, oh, my God, you, Dad, you... Oh, you've got to get it fixed, Dad. You've got to get it. When are you going to get it fixed? It was like it was worrying him. It was mm-hmm. causing him anxiety mm-hmm. that I had a cracked phone. Mm. And um, I said, I don't, son, I don't mind. Son, I don't mind. Son, when you get to my age, some things. <laughs> some people carry those things around mind. as a badge of pride, right, with smashed. Well, what uh, I said to him yeah. was, I see the cracks as wrinkles. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that from a film? Isn't that from a film? No, I don't think. That's well, good. As wrinkles, what? But what does it mean? It's a mature phone. Oh, I see. It's got a story to tell. Yes. And it happens to be the story of a man who had his phone in his top pocket while he was painting and failed to zip up the pocket, so the phone slid out every time the man bent over until on the seventh time it, it broke. But it's got a story. <laughs> it's a mature phone. That is a biblical number, like, you know, seven. Yeah, seven, right. I think it's in the gospel somewhere, yeah. in the iPhone section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I continued by saying, besides, before it cracked, I felt profoundly uncomfortable fondling such a young-looking phone. <laughs> did you? That was the punchline for my live bit. What did Frank make of that? I didn't say that to Frank. I, I said that. Oh, I see. I said that did you as, say any of this to Frank? Uh, yeah, I said the stuff before about the wrinkles. The wrinkles. That's mm. good. Um, what's the question? The question is, am I, am I right to have abandoned that? As a punchline for a, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think so. How old is he? Um, he's thirteen. Thirteen. Now. But don't worry about him because I was only doing it live. Oh, I see. Oh, right for your material. I was telling the story. Yeah. And the punchline. No, I think that's all right. Was before it cracked, I felt profoundly uncomfortable fondling such a young-looking phone. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, test it out. Well, I did. How did it go? No, not very well. What? Did they didn't laugh or there was shock? No, just. I think a little bit of shock and mainly indifference. Uh, just the idea of fondling something young looking. Yeah, it was like, <coughs> no, I don't want to hear that. Don't want to, yeah, I don't want to think about that kind of thing. No. And then you're telling me because you think they were wrong? I don't know, I was just running it by you. <laughs> if you said, no, they're insane, you should, you should plough back in with that. I think I was enjoying it until the punchline. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's exactly yeah. what the audience was I was like. enjoying it as a little wistful yeah. model. They were chuckling. I, and- I'd, rather the, I'd rather Frank did something that, that kicked back on you. Mm-hmm. That's the switch I want to see. Right. I don't want you suddenly confusing him after, after having given him such a warm bit of Buckley Lee's 
advice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think I was implying... In the live bit, I was not implying that yeah. I said that last thing about the young right, looking phone right, to my son. Right. I was just saying to the audience. Besides, Yeah, you but know, you see, that's throwing them out of the magic of the world, isn't it? Mm, is like, it? they were imagining you talking to your son, and then suddenly they realise that you're a pervert. <laughs> well, that's exactly what happened. And it's like, oh. Oh, that's sad. Um, this is like a, 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 a writing masterclass we're doing. Thanks a lot. Um, okay, how about this? This is just a line that I had, and um, I, I, I never knew what to do with it. But I was like, this is brilliant. When I wrote it down, <laughs> it was late. And then I thought, oh, I can't wait to try this out live. This is I'm going to get some awards. And it was uh, talking about getting old, right? Yeah. And saying to the audience, one minute you're 18, slow dancing in the erection section at the school disco. Next minute, you're 55 and you're at the dysfunction junction. Dysfunction junction. I mean, I could see that in like, um, <laughs> say, Tim Allen's stand up. <laughs> but just as he's building to a joke. Yeah. <laughs> just a rhyme along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, no, I've dropped it. Did you? Yeah. Is there any way you can gauge how much people will laugh before you try something in front of an audience? No. That's the weird thing. <clears throat> you haven't figured out an internal measuring uh, no, process. It's totally mysterious. Really? Yeah, because I really thought that... I mean, now, Do you find that the things you I've, do think I've, are winners turn out not to be and vice versa? Yes. I mean, I'm yes. demonstrating that now. Honestly, I've, I've, I've now... I think related that's true to you. Of, of of anybody who yeah. is is a creative. Of course, I don't. Do you think there's anybody out there who's creative that just knows exactly how things are going to land? Exactly how things are going to land. Well, I guess the really the successful people who people. did the moon landings. Yeah, <laughs> the so. I mean, there was even landings. a lot of doubt. There was a lot of doubt and anxiety in yeah. that process about whether let's they, face it, whether so, they even exactly happened. did it even happen. <laughs> don't give me that moon landing shit. Mm. Well, listen, in future, just run and pass cornballs, and I'll let you know. All right, thanks. Right, 2015, Jay Corn. What a year. What a year. It's been, obviously, a year of pain and tumult in many ways right but let's uh, focus on some of the globally you mean globally yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and personally yeah <laughs> <laughs> well yeah as per usual as per just usual. another year just another year you know it doesn't get easier the older you get doesn't does it apparently things are getting repetitive now yeah breakfast shower. this is an advert for squarespace every time i visit your website i see success Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace.
hours eating three times a day, mm-hmm. day after day after day. And that's not even covering the self-pleasuring. True. It's hard to be creative with that after a while, isn't it? Mm. So look. Procrastination. <laughs> Is that the way to go? That's what they call it, procrastination. There's a famous author who... They call what? That's what they call what? Putting it... Pro- procrastinating by m- masturbating. Oh, I see. I thought you meant putting off actually wanking. No. No, it's the act of masturbating in order to just fill in Avoid time and work. get it off your chest. Yeah. Right. Get it off your chest. Some writers can't. <laughs> famous writers. Hemingway? Yeah. He did that he kind a massive of thing. I'm just progress- guessing. Surely all writers are procrastinating. Have to procrastinate before their day's work. Yeah. Otherwise, they simply can't focus. That's one of the tough things about um, the working and being a writer in the modern age, isn't it? Being hooked up to the internet. And then you have all these applications that you can mm, download mm, mm, mm. that... Uh, switch it off. Switch it off. Yeah. Or another thing I heard about was this thing you have to pay for as well that starts erasing what you've written if you haven't written enough. No, really? Yeah. So you have to hit your Shit. word count. Do they store it? No, they get rid of it. It's supposed to be like wow. a, a crazy incentive. That, But why would anyone actually invite that upon themselves? Let me just Google the what it is. Because then the, uh, the only criteria of quality in what you've written is how quickly you write it. But, but that's half the battle, though, isn't it? It's just getting words down on paper yeah. for a first but draft. But that's really taking that idea to its, uh, to its ultimate, isn't it? It really is. And you have to pay for it. You have to pay it's for it. It's called write or die. Yes. Oh, right. So you can set how extreme it is. Right. So it doesn't always have to erase what you've written, but that is right. one of That's the, one of the things you can have it do. I think. But it can also put a jiggling spider on the screen to freak you out. Uh, or if you've written enough, a puppy. A lovely puppy. Lovely puppy. Anyway. What about a, 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 an eight-legged puppy? I guess that's what Tim Burton's got. <laughs> Nice. Basically, I was uh, uh, we we got off the subject there, but um, I was going to ask you about your cultural highlights. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for asking me that. This is more like it. Right, we're slipping back into conventional radio mode. All right, a film called Force Majeure. You recommended that to me, and I and I uh, tracked it down, and I watched yes. it with friends one yes. weekend, and oh, it went down like a sack of balloons. Badly. Did it? Yeah. Who were the friends? My wife and Danny. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. I think it's one of the best films of last year. Synopsis. Well, you don't want to know too much about it, oh, but it's a family on, on a skiing holiday, and the family are on a terrace, and a massive avalanche is triggered, and they think they're going to be killed by the avalanche. And in the heat of the moment, the dad just runs away from the family. Yeah. The mum grabs the children. The dad just runs away. And then it's the consequences. And then one little thereafter. decision he takes permeates the whole relationship. The whole relationship with the kids and it's sort of uh black comedy it's sort of um slightly heightened and exaggerated but i thought it was brilliant it's good isn't it well it's a foreign language film right it's what is yeah. it swedish or ruben osterlund ruben i'm not, sure, I'm not sure where he's from but he's a cool dude yeah, yeah he's sexy and he's got long hair and he made another very brilliant film called play is that before a few years ago yeah two two or three films before you know, I loved everything about it. I loved the way it's set in a, uh, a, a ski resort. Mm-hmm. And uh, much of the time, 
there was no uh, musical soundtrack. The soundtrack was provided by uh, uh, the sounds of the ski lifts. Yes. And they provided this strange, abstract, avant-garde noise that accompanied these awkward moments. Well, to me, it was talking about the the sort of um, rituals Mm -hmm. of holidays and families and the behavior that's expected of you. And a ski resort is a brilliant environment to uh, express that in, isn't it? Because every action is automated. Mm -hmm. And because the film was about him feeling trapped by all the expectations of his family. It was brilliantly expressed uh, through the environment. Mm. And yeah, those close-ups of the ski lift wheels and the the, the scary noises. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Good surround sound film. It's very good. We're halfway through the podcast. I think it's going really great. The conversation's flowing like it would between a geezer and his mate. All right, mate. Hello, geezer. I'm pleased to see you. There's so much chemistry, it's like a science lab of talking I'm interested in what you said Thank you There's fun chat and there's deep chat It's like Chris Evans is meeting Stephen Hawking My guest today is film director Mm. and writer Joe Cornish Mm. And he's running down some of his cultural highlights Mm. from 2015 I was saying earlier I like being called a filmmaker Because you couldn't really call me a films maker Because I've only only done one. one So, yeah, you can call me a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, so, okay, w- I think you've seen this one. What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, love it. Really good. Jermaine Clement from Fantastic. Concords. What a gem. It was a peach, wasn't it? Yeah. I really, I watched that one with... Has to be seen. Watched that one with my wife, my son, and my mum. Yes. And my mum was chortling away. Yes. She liked really? it more than anyone, yeah. A mum, a genuinely funny mum-friendly movie is a hard thing to come by. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I should say, if you haven't seen it and you're thinking, oh, I'll get this and we'll watch it with my mum, it's pretty gory. It's about vampires. Yeah. It's like a kind of reality doc about a group of vampires living in New Zealand. If you've experienced the pain of childbirth, it just changes everything. <laughs> and only certain films. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? I only just, certain... <laughs> I'm just chuckling at you kind of suddenly bonding with uh, women in that way. Yeah. Well, it's true, isn't it? It's, of course it's true. Mm. They go through something that we'll never that know. That we'll never, and that's why they can't understand force majeure. <laughs> but yet find what we do in the shadows very amusing. But it has some really unexpectedly uh, inventive and amusing tangents, mostly involving Reese Darby, yeah. that are really funny. There's lots of funny bits in that. I would hate Such a good it. film. Uh, I would also say I've got all sorts of cultural highlights. I've got, I've got home video releases that I found exciting. Oh, yeah. For instance, The Black Stallion came out on a Criterion Blu-ray. That was exciting for me. I don't know if I've ever seen The Black Stallion. I think Stallion. that's the best children's film ever made. I remember... Like, the... like sort of beautiful, arty, sophisticated, dramatic. Yeah. Um, I remember you had a poster of it at school. Yes, and Louis turned it into a big cock. And then wrote... And then the changed... Sla- and changed it to The Slack Stallion. Tip and I was bee. genuinely <laughs> angry about that. I thought, that is so base. That's such a beautiful, touching film. I don't know if it was Louis. I think it was Louis. Was it? Top documentarian Louis Theroux turned the silhouette of a horse's head into a huge phallus and, and called uh, it the slack stallion. Tipexed out the B to make it into an S. The slack stallion. That's the noise the slack stallion made when he heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm going to go and invest in it. Good tip. Uh, Ex Machina. Loved it. 
cle- very clever film. This is heartening that you and I agree mm, on so mm, many mm, of these mm, films. Mm. We've still got the very same clever. sort of taste. Didn't uh, didn't uh, feel low budget because it was uh, sort of conceived within its means very cleverly. It was very... That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Within the first yeah. few minutes... I doubt you thought that. I, I think did. you're just pretending you did. Because I said I it did. and it was clever. I said it. I, in fact, I think I thought it first. I thought it first. Uh, X Machina, no. The, the, the first um, few shots... The aerial shots when uh, Dommel Gleeson, is that his name? Uh, Dommel, yeah. Is coming into the... Uh, basically, the film is about... Well, a, it has such a brisk opening, doesn't it? When he yeah. gets the invitation and then he's just there and you think, this so film isn't fucking Tell about. people what the film is about if they haven't seen it. It's about a, a very, very brilliant rat who is the top chef in Paris. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a, I, uh, well, it's about a man that goes to decide whether a lady's a robot or not. He's a computer He's a computer whiz, a tech whiz. Why are you whiz? having to do it again? I just did it. Well, I didn't like the way you did it. <laughs> I thought it was... Yeah, it wasn't very good, was it? Uh, he's a computer whiz and he kind of wins a competition to go and spend some time with a Bill Gates slash Steve Jobs slash yes. Elon Musk type genius billionaire who lives in isolation and has created an AI and he wants this fellow to uh, assess whether um, the AI actually has consciousness or, or, or can be called sentient mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it's so sophisticated this female robot that uh, the fellow has created right? Mm. I think I did a better job than you did Yes, you know you're right. Is that more fair? Detail. I write the back covers for the pirate DVDs. Yeah. You write the real ones. I and, do the ones for Malaysia. And so the first shots are of this uh, geek being flown in um, into this wilderness where the guy has his uh, out-of-the-way special modern tech house. Mm. And the the shots are beautiful and it looks super expensive. Um and so you just think, wow, this is, you know, it immediately gives the thing scale mm. because the rest of it is very intimate, intimate and theatrical. Yes. Uh, and you're in more or less one. Very good. And session. it's sustained to, till the end, I thought. Yeah. Good twists. Excellent. And I like um, I like what that Alex Garland does, you know. He's clever. He takes his time and makes... That's his fir- first film that he's directed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pe- people say he did a little bit of directing on Judge Dredd. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. No, he takes his time and good music and as well. Everything he does is worth watching. I think it is Jeff Barrow from Portishead who did the music. Yeah, Jeff did the music. Brilliant sure. music, and uh, you know he got he got a quite a bit of flack though, Alex Garland, yeah. uh, about some of the sexual politics in that film, which I thought was weird because it was entirely trying to address all kinds of preconceptions about mm. women that we have mm-hmm. in society, as well as being this story about AIs. You've got to get a bit of flack about something, though, haven't you, in yeah. this day and age? You've got to get it's, a bit it's, of flack. It's a bit of Caroline Flack. It's, um, you know, part and parcel of being yeah. uh, putting your head over the parapet. Sure, exactly. And I thought it was excellent. I like the movie Vacation. Vacation. Yeah. With Chevy Chase. Well, he cameos in it. Yeah, it's the remake of Vacation. Oh, it's a remake. I thought you were yeah. joking. It's a, re- it's a remake of Vacation. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that had happened. And I you really liked the liked first it. one. I loved the first one. You loved the first. You brought the first one into a science I lesson did. at the end I of did. term one time, That's and right. we ended up watching Vacation in a chemistry yeah, lesson. Yeah, and it had toplessness in it, and swearing, and marijuana, and uh, masturbation. Yes, yeah. and it went down fantastically. Cedric Harbin he was loved uh, chuckling away. He loved it. A teacher. 
<clears throat> like, I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece. <laughs> Would you not? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, for instance, the Rotten Tomatoes the, score, we, the, 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 well, the, the original, the the original as well. And but, you know, they're not, it's not, um, it's not going to win the Palm Door, Adam. No. But it certainly might win mm. a car door. No, I don't know. It, it's uh, I found it enjoyable in the way you know. Sometimes slightly, uh, sometimes movies surprise you. Sure, wouldn't you say? Mm. <laughs> I've never thought about it, but now you mention it, yes, you're and right. And I thought it had some genuinely funny moments in it. Vacation. Yeah. Well, Wally World was ahead of its time, taking the piss oh, out of Disney World fantastic. and all that stuff. Yeah. That was good. Good ending. Reshot that whole ending. And good music as well. Holiday Road. I'm not seeing it's it a very great movie. well. But. Both great movies. Um, wait, wait, wait. Are you yeah. serious that the remake was worth seeing? It's worth watching, yeah. Is it really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It's got, it's got some really uh, transgressive and kind of uh, funny moments, I thought. You know, uh, have you kept up with Chevy Chase being more or less a total bastard? Yeah, when you read that Saturday Night Live book, yeah, you know his reputation isn't great, is it? No, anymore. It's weird though, isn't it? Like more and more, you just think, well, that's what it takes to be a genius. Is you're just a sociopath. He is a genius though, but you'd never know. That could be the case with many people. <laughs> He's pointing at himself. <laughs> um, telly, do you want a telly tip? Yes, please. Have you been keeping up with Nathan for you? No. Have you ever heard of Nathan For You? I don't think I have. Nathan For You is... Uh, it's a really, really, really funny American TV show. Hmm. And I don't know how you can get your hands on it in the UK, but if you can, then I really recommend it. It's just in its third series, midway through its third series. Here's the synopsis. Writer, director and comedian Nathan Fielder also has a business degree. What about Cornballs he- can tell you about it? Okay. You uh, don't need your Siri now. <laughs> your computer friend. You've got a real guy here. All right. Joey. Go on, then. Joey, your computer friend. Go on, Jesus! Say, hey, Joey. Hey, Joey, tell me about Nathan for you. I don't have any information on that subject. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny. It's like a business program, right? So it's taking the language of The Apprentice or uh, reality documentaries where people save businesses and making it into comedy. But it's got a brilliant uh, kind of joke at the centre of it is that he's really uh, socially alienated and awkward. And he's using all these amazing business schemes basically to try and make some sort of emotional human contact with somebody. But he's so nuts, he just takes it into demented directions. But if you haven't heard of it, I think you should watch them all. Okay. One by one, from the beginning, starting with uh, series one, episode one. Have you watched the uh, current series of The Apprentice? Speaking of which... No, a li- little bits of it. You it's know, very samey, isn't it? After it, 34 years. <laughs> and I can't believe that, like... You, <laughs> but it's still on. Do you remember when we did our songs about The Apprentice? Yes. And uh, we were riffing on the ridiculous names that they choose for the teams. Yes. This this year they were called Versatile and Connexus. <sighs> and, they, and the guy who came up with Connexus was delighted because he was like, because it's got two meanings. It's like a cool word. Connexus, yes, <laughs> and also that's one meaning. It sounds like connect us, and it sounds and it sounds like it, yeah. something that connects us. And but being was, a cool world isn't really a meaning. Cool word, yeah, a cool. Uh, sorry, I was thinking about the Brad Pitt film. Being a cool word isn't really a meaning, is it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking about the Brad Pitt film. Yeah, it's more interesting for, for me. Uh, cool world is more about David's um, song, of course. I didn't know he did a song for well, it. He did, did he? a few songs. And so did Brian Eno. Wow. He did Real Cool World. Oh, yeah. And uh, have you seen Bowie's new video for Black Star? I saw some of it. 
some I, of it. I like <laughs> I like the <laughs> I like the buttons on the um, bandage. Oh yeah, I'm going to put some buttons on this bandage. Little buttons on my bandage. <laughs> As, um, who's his, what's his assistant called? <laughs> what's his assistant? What's Bo's assistant called? How do I know? What I think it? he's called Frederick. Frederick. <laughs> yes, Where he has to have that? an assistant. I think he's. We well, he used Frederick. to have an assistant called Coco. Fr- Coco, that's right. Did he? Yes. Yeah, but she um, used to do Schwab. a lot of mime, didn't she? And she fell out of an open window. <laughs> Seriously, she had to bring him his breakfast using mime. <laughs> she had to bring him his breakfast in mime, and she fell out of an open going, window. If you're it was going, a hot day. wait, wait, wait. If you're but going you just, on a stupid riff, you can't just say seriously in the middle. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you listen. And, um, and yeah, he would say to he'd say. Uh, I can't do, but Bo, it's hard to say Bowie saying Frederick. Frederick. You don't, it should be called something beginning with an S. Yes. Cedric. Cedric. <laughs> yes. Basically, he'd look up on the internet whether anybody had put buttons on a bandage before. Uh-huh. And he'd realise that no, nobody had ever put button eyes on a bandage. I'm sure there's been some sort of... There's Coraline with button eyes. Right. There are the world of mummies with bandages. Are they buttons then? I thought they I were, think I so. thought they were little I, thought, I only holes. watched a little bit. Uh. And it was probably 7.20 on quite a small window on the desktop. Yeah. So I can't be sure. But I took them to be buttons. Did, Did you it, like the song? I thought the drum riff was interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of was enjoyably trying to figure out how the vocal line rhythm matched with the little breakbeat rhythm. Mm-hmm. His voice is a little bit high for me these days. Is it? Uh, it's all kind of like this. That's just wisdom. Is it? Yeah. It's sheer weight of knowledge. <laughs> right, all <laughs> closes the, up the throat. All the facts the brain gets so are edging out. Yeah, yeah. You, haven't, you haven't got the, uh, yeah, the heaviness resonance. of the brain closes the throat. Yeah, because there's too many facts. I'm so wise. Now it's like Pierce Brosnan. Well, again, very exactly. very wise man. Um, all right, Nathan, for you, that's a good recommendation. That is a good recommendation. You don't know how good that recommendation is. You know, he does. You break it, you pay for it. On one episode in the third Does series. he? We did that. Yeah, well, I know. I thought, oh, he's doing You Break It, You Pay For It. But he does it much better. Oh, well, that was one of our worst <laughs> things that we did. He does it much... Well, he just uses it as part of a much bigger thing, and it's yeah. really good. Hey, did you see Love and Mercy? No, I haven't seen that yet. I hear it's good. That's great. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a Beach Boys Brian Wilson guy than you, right? Yes. But um, if you are in any way excited about the Beach Boys or Brian Wilson, in particular... The period of Brian Wilson's life when he was making Pet Sounds and then Smile, um, this incredibly ambitious, over-ambitious, it turned out, album, whilst struggling with all kinds of emotional and mental problems, it, more than any other film I've seen like that, gets really close to recreating the excitement of what it must be like in a studio when, when you've got someone that gifted actually marshalling the talents yes, of incredibly like brilliant show, six session music players. Show. Like that. Yeah, like, exactly like yeah. that. And what they've done, one of the things they've done, I think I'm right in saying, is that they've got studio, like real studio mm. chatter from the Pet Sounds sessions. And reconstructed it. And played the whole scene underneath it so that it syncs up with it. Ah. So the actors are actually lip syncing no. to the real dialogue. Oh, I must check that out. Dialogue. That sounds good. I heard it was good. Oh, it's great. Uh, I visited the Star Wars set 
Everyone, oh my god! Everybody who has a podcast has to have a guest who's visited the Star Wars set. But then you, the, but then of course they can't t- say anything about what they saw or did. Well, you can now because it's out. Uh, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, but not while we're recording this. Oh, shut up! I'm not going to put this out before. So I don't it's out. know. Joe, well, I don't know what the NDA. Not even I, as a what joke. Was the NDA I don't, <laughs> Not even as a joke. Don't go doodles on me now. I ca- I can't remember i didn't read the nda that i signed but i just signed it and 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 made a mental decision not to tell anybody publicly what i saw and as a result i don't think even though the film will be out by this time goes out i I think there's a legal document that may make me vulnerable to uh um legal action if i say anything fucking hell <laughs> you brought that up and now you are giving me yeah. maximum I'll tell doodles you about it after don't tell me people want to know what it's like <laughs> well then don't you, you can't you just, just say can't you just say like don't say you saw i went to see john boyega yeah. who was in attack the block who's in the new star wars film and i yeah. went to say hello to him and because they, you know um because you know jj abrams a little bit right uh yeah a little bit yeah he's a very nice man and he was very nice about attack the block and um, so you went out. Where were they shooting? In Pinewood. Yeah. And this was when? Earlier this year? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. He's giving me the eyes like... Yeah. He's waiting well, for me to trip him up. These are questions I can answer. These are, these, all these things are public knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm. the film oh, is you be- out. You wouldn't believe what I saw. The film is out. Yeah, but it isn't. It's out, you raving it lunatic. Isn't. I'm it not going to put this up before <laughs> it goes out. It's Christmas Day. People okay. have seen it. Right. It's only been out for... Who cares how long it's been out? It's days. out. It's only been out for eight days. Right. So it'd be a spoiler for the listeners if I told You don't them. need to do a spoiler. Avoid spoilers for the plot. I just want to know what it was like being on the set. And did you? It was very exciting. Did you meet any of the cast? Yes, I did. Who did you meet? Did you meet Harrison Ford? I did. <gasps> how was that? He was very nice. He was very friendly. Did you? They were. The thing is, they were shooting. Whereabouts? So on, you don't go around which, just fluffing around. In fact, I find it really nerve-wracking to be on another director's set. Yeah, sure. Not nerve-wracking, but just you really don't want to get in the way. Yeah. And you which don't know set was it? It was the set of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, and he has rebuilt Interior. the whole thing, right? It's n- it's none CG on that thing. It's none green yeah. screen. Yeah. Well, the interiors. Yeah, I'm but sure I mean, they've used some green screen, but generally, yeah, no, they, 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 I, I understand they're going as physical as possible. And my understanding was that they had uh, sort of scanned the original parts of the uh, uh, set and recreated them with three. It was printers. very realistic. I mean, it was just like it was in the film. Yeah, but it was interesting. You you figured out the geography. The geography felt. Not different, but you could see more of the the geography than you can figure out in the film. And know? was it? Th- I mean, were you tingling with excitement? Yeah. Even though it's it's people often assume that you and I are like the most massive Star Wars heads in the world, and I don't. We love them, but I don't think we're obsessed by them, are we? Uh, no, we certainly we were the right age for them. Yeah, so of we course. were no less obsessed than anybody else. Right. I mean, they were like they were in, they were incredibly important, but we don't eight. spend our whole adult lives. No, thinking about we them. We did a lot of Star Wars figure things. We've done more than most people on sure, Star Wars, probably. obviously. But yeah, right, no, it was are, very, 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 very exciting. Yeah, it was very exciting. I think I'm, I, I think probably, having said all that about not being like the most massive obsessive, yeah. I would probably get a little weepy if I was suddenly looking at the Millennium Falcon and Harrison Ford was standing there. Yeah. So you cried. 
Uh, I I cried. Did you get a lump in your throat? Seriously? Um, I don't think so. No, because it's a it's like a working atmosphere. Right. It's not like you're in a you don't. I they would do. They were in the middle of shooting. Yeah, yeah. They literally, they were doing shots, and so they were it doing wasn't, shots. That's yeah, not, they that's were all drinking heavily during yeah. the day. <laughs> My primary thing was like, don't wander into shot. Yeah. Or don't knock anything over. Or, you know... Or don't suggest lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was on my best behaviour, but it was it was very exciting. Mm. Ooh, oh, listen to your tummy exciting very as well. Yeah. And were you tempted to... Because if Buckles had been there... What would Buckles have done? I would have taken a souvenir. Would you? I would have snaffled a little I would have pastry. A, I would have snaffled a little bit of the Falcon, popped it in my pocket. Thanks very much. Yeah, didn't do that. No, of course no. you didn't. You won't even tell me the doodle fucking story. The You're not going to start nicking bits of the Millennium Falcon. That was an exciting day. Yeah, was it? I'm glad. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. That really is. And, you know, what a thrill to see John Boyega in that film. Right, that, who you uh, sort of more or less discovered, right? No. Well, we gave him his first feature film, but he was a, he's a very talented actor. Obviously. Yeah, you didn't discover him, but you gave him a little boosty. Yeah. I think, you know, casting directors do that kind of thing. He was on the radar of the casting director for okay. being a super promising guy. And what was your it, casting director called? Nina Gold. Right. Oh, Nina Gold. Yeah. yeah. So that's how those the, pe- people like that are on the radar already, really. Sure. Um, but no, that was a thrill. And have you, you haven't seen the film yet, right? No. I'm pretty excited. My daughter is just... Really? As, so as we speak, uh, it is end of November... So the film is not out yet, as Joe has made clear. Um, but by the time this goes out, it will be. And, uh, yeah, my daughter, she's already said that she's going to see it loads of times. And um, it's, it's a big deal for her. And it's, she'll remember it forever. And you know what? The other day, and I was sort of thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm too old to get excited by this kind of thing. But the other day, actually, it had been a hard day. And I was already feeling a little bit um, vulnerable. But I was online and I happened to see that there was a new trailer for The Force Awakens. And I watched it. And it's the one that heavily features Harrison Ford. And and there's a brief shot of uh, Carrie Fisher at the end as well. And it's all like, in all the stories they told, all the things we did, it's all true. And uh, I I started crying. (laughs) I really did. I just suddenly... How old I was, how much it meant to me when I first saw it. It all just collided and... Oh, my God. It's powerful nostalgia, isn't it? Yeah. Powerful nostalgia, indeed. Joe Cornish there. And thanks very much to him. That conversation was recorded towards the end of November... And the next one on the Christmas Day podcast, that was recorded uh, just last weekend, 19th of December. And it's a a lot sillier and it features some of the messages that you guys submitted um, on on my blog. So that's coming up. Before I say farewell today, uh, I just want to deal with the... um, some of the responses to the last podcast, episode number 10 with Louis Theroux, in which... I began our our conversation, which was recorded last year. Someone uh, someone messaged me and said, "What year was this recorded?" And I thought, 
are they implying that I sound like a kind of caveman on here uh, with outdated views? Surely they can't be. So I just said, oh, it was recorded in June 2014. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best way to respond to um, sarcastic incredulity. It's just to, just to be honest. I was a little surprised. I must say that people thought I was being... Uh, kind of misogynist really when I was talking to Louis about people putting on makeup in public and using as an example a woman who'd been putting on makeup in front of me on the train and of course I understand that uh, you know if, if I begin a conversation by saying do you like it when women put on makeup in front of you on the train then people naturally think oh well this is buckles sounding off about women putting on makeup on a train um, and then later on I say, uh, I use the word acceptable. How is it acceptable then for, a, I mean, I was being hyperbolic in that situation, but the conversation, honestly, in my mind was just about anyone putting on makeup in public. I did say, uh, that to me putting on makeup, I, I associate it with a kind of theater, a theatrical gesture. When I was, um, a young teen, I decided at a certain point that, um, you know, I started getting spotty and my mum said, uh, use some of my cover-up. Um, and I was just amazed by the difference it made. It was like, oh, suddenly I'm not spotty. This is amazing. And so rather than just cover up spots, I started to cover up my whole face <laughs> and thought, yeah, I'm going to give my my silly round baby face some... Um, some definition. I made the whole thing very pale. I put um, foundation, pale foundation on my lips. So I was kind of like a creature of the night because I also put on some uh, eyeliner and I, I put a bit of eyeliner on my cheeks as well and then smeared it in to make myself look as if I had cheekbones. And in my mind, yeah, I was like a sexy vampire, albeit a sexy vampire with a what they called in those days a a casual haircut, um, a big wedge, you know, like a pudding bowl haircut with a big long bit at the front that was had a bit of peroxide in it. I'm a casual creature of the night. But I would never have performed that whole ritual in front of other people. In my mind, it was something that I needed to do in private and then and step out. Uh, you know, making the transition in public, uh, for me, would have been too strange I think um, and counterproductive so that was really the, the, the conversation with Louis was like if it's a theatrical gesture how come people do that bit of it in front of you in no way was I suggesting that it was unacceptable per se for people to do that I was using that word in a in a stupid way and uh, I was not suggesting that new policy should be created to stop women or anyone uh, from doing what they want and making themselves look how they want. And the only reason I'm sort of answering back in this defensive way is because I really don't like the idea that people think I would promote that kind or any kind of intolerance in that way, really. Uh, all right, let's move on from that. I'm going to wrap it up. And once again, thank you very much indeed for all your kind words about my dad it, it meant a lot you know I was really 
I was really touched. Please don't feel as if you have to send in further condolences at this point. You know, at a certain stage, you just have to kind of move on, don't you, really, and start getting on with the business of being alive. But I certainly don't intend to forget about him, and I I appreciate that uh, this process probably takes quite a long time. So um, I hope you'll bear with me. Okay, I'll be back on Christmas Day with Joe, reading out some of your messages and talking more bullshit. Till then, take care. I'm outdoors, so um, I can do a a quite a loud sign-off. I love you. Bye! What do you think of that, Rosie? Rosie's looking at me. (laughs) Why are you doing that? Why are you shouting? That's not cool. It's not cool just to stand there and shout. There's people in houses nearby and they're going to be looking now and thinking, oh dear, I feel sorry for that dog. She's hanging out with that creepy, thinly veiled misogynist. I'm not like that, Rosie. You know that, right? I'm desperate to please. All right. Bye-bye. has been shaved by John Bridget and now he feels a little bit heavy metal. He feels a little bit heavy metal. What's wrong with I'm that? not entirely sure what heavy metal is. Well, it's, it, he's just saying that he feels uh, overexcited. overexcited, keyed up. Is that wrong? It is crude and mindless. Mindless is a word that does get overused, but it is mindless to uh, uh, announce that your head's been almost shaved by a jumbo jet and that uh, as a consequence you're feeling a bit heavy metal.